Hello and welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. I'm your host, Lisa DeLay, and this is Soul School Lesson 213, Loving Your Enemies. This is part of the Strength to Love series that I'm doing in collaboration with Robert J. Monson. Strength to Love is by Martin Luther King Jr. It was originally pulled together in 1963, and there are 15 chapters of this material that was taken and used in different sermons that Martin Luther King Jr. gave. Loving your enemies is found in chapter five. Some of the other chapters also pull in similar information and ideas. It also relates to nonviolence, which I have already covered in a previous installation in this series. You can read some of these reflections and portions of the book if you go to sparkmymuse.substack.com and you can read the post that I put there. A link to this will also be available at sparkmymuse.com for this episode, Soul School Lesson 213 or SSL 213. And also make sure to check out what Robert J. Monson is up to this month in January 2022. I found this chapter on loving your enemies fairly difficult to read because it relies so much on forgiving people who have deeply hurt or abused you. And this is something that takes a great amount of virtue and Christ-likeness to do. So there's some real challenge to reading this book and this chapter. Martin Luther King Jr. begins speaking about Jesus not as an impractical idealist, as Nietzsche once described him, but as a practical realist. He says on page 48, love even for enemies is the key to the solution of problems in our world. Jesus is not an impractical idealist. He is the practical realist. I am certain that Jesus understood the difficulty inherent in the act of loving one's enemy. He never joined the ranks of those who talk glibly about the easiness of the moral life. He realized that every genuine expression of love grows out of a consistent and total surrender to God. So when Jesus said, love your enemy, he was not unmindful of its stringent qualities, yet he meant every word of it. Our responsibility as Christians is to discover the meaning of this command and seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. He goes on to say in part one, how do we love our enemies? And he goes into four ways to do this. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, and I hope that you do get Strength to Love wherever you buy books or at the link that I'll leave at sparkmymuse.com. This is a fantastic book. A lot of people don't know that much of. They haven't necessarily been exposed to this book, and I think it's just a mind-blowing read. I'll read a little bit of each of the four reasons ways of how we love our enemies, according to Martin Luther King Jr., and a little bit more of this chapter as well. First, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. It is impossible even to begin the act of loving one's enemies without the prior acceptance of the necessity over and over again of forgiving those who inflict evil and injury upon us. It is also necessary to realize that the forgiving act must always be initiated by the person 
who has been wronged, the victim of some great hurt, the recipient of some torturous injustice, the absorber of some terrible act of oppression. The wrongdoer may request forgiveness. He may come to himself and, like the prodigal son, move up some dusty road, his heart palpitating with the desire for forgiveness. But only the injured neighbor, the loving father back home, can really pour out the warm waters of forgiveness. Martin Luther King Jr. adds to this, and forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. It means, rather, that the evil act no longer remains a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. It is the lifting of a burden or the canceling of a debt. The words, I forgive you, but I will never forget what you've done, never explain the real nature of forgiveness. Certainly one can never forget if that means erasing it totally from the mind. When we forgive, we forget in the sense that the evil deed is no longer a mental block impeding a new relationship. Likewise, we can never say, quote, I forgive you, but I won't have anything further to do with you. Forgiveness means reconciliation, a coming together again. Without this, no one can love his enemies. The degree to which we are able to forgive determines the degree to which we are able to love our enemies. Second, we must realize that the evil deed of the enemy neighbor, the thing that hurts, never quite expresses all this person is. An element of goodness may be found even in our worst enemy. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. Third, we must not seek to defeat or humiliate the enemy but to win his friendship and understanding. And as an aside, I will say this folds very well and neatly in with being nonviolent as Jesus commands us and as Martin Luther King Jr. had as his centerpiece of his movement and his ways of being. The nonviolent part has everything to do with keeping another person's dignity intact and not being violent against it in word or deed. We might be able to humiliate our worst enemy, he goes on to say. Inevitably, his weak moments come, and we are able to thrust it in his side, the spear of defeat, but this we must not do. The meaning of love is not to be confused with some sentimental outpouring. Love is something much deeper than emotional bosh. The word agape for love means understanding and creative, redemptive goodwill for all an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. Agape is the love of God operating in the human heart. At this level, we love those not because we like them, nor because their ways appeal to us, nor even because they possess some type of divine spark. We love everyone because God loves them. At this level, we love the person who does an evil deed, although we hate the deed they do. Now we can see what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. We should be happy that he did not say, like your enemies. It is almost impossible to like some people. Like is a sentimental and affectionate word. How can we be affectionate toward a person whose avowed aim is to crush our very being and place innumerable stumbling blocks in our path? How can we like a person 
who is threatening our children or bombing our homes. That is impossible. But Jesus recognized that love is greater than like. When Jesus bids us to love our enemies, he is speaking neither of eros love or philia love. He is speaking of agape love, understanding and creative, redemptive goodwill for all. Only by following this way and responding with this type of love are we able to be the children of our Father who is in heaven. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he's setting forth a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. Have we not come to such an impasse in the modern world that we must love our enemies or else? The chain reaction of evil, hate begetting hate, wars producing more wars, must be broken or we shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation. Hate is just as injurious to the person who hates. Like an unchecked cancer, hate corrodes the personality and eats away at its vital unity. Hate destroys a person's sense of values and his objectivity. It causes this person to describe the beautiful as ugly and the ugly as beautiful, to confuse the true with the false and the false with the true. Moving on to page 52. Hate divides the personality and love in an amazing and inexorable way unites it. The third reason we should love our enemies is that love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We never get rid of an enemy by meeting hate with hate. We get rid of an enemy by getting rid of enmity. By its very nature, hate destroys and tears down. By its very nature, love creates and builds up. Love transforms with redemptive power. Jesus' words, love your enemies, that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. We are called to do this difficult task in order to realize a unique relationship with God. We are potential children of God through love that potentially becomes actuality. We must love our enemies because only by loving them can we know God and experience the beauty of God's holiness. There will be no permanent solution to the race problem until oppressed people develop the capacity to love their enemies. The darkness of injustice will be dispelled only by the light of forgiving love. Of course, this is not practical. Life is a matter of getting even, of hitting back, of dog-eat-dog. -dog. Am I saying that Jesus commands us to love those who hurt and oppress us? My friends, we have followed the so-called practical way for too long a time now, and it has led inexorably to deeper confusion and chaos. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities which surrendered to hatred and violence. For the salvation of our nation and the salvation of humankind, we must follow another way. This does not mean that we abandon our righteous efforts. With every ounce of our energy, we must continue to rid this nation of the incubus of segregation. But we shall not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. 
While abhorring segregation, we shall love segregationists. This is the only way to create the beloved community. Love is the most durable power in the world, this creative force so beautifully exemplified in the life of our Christ. It is the most potent instrument available in humankind's quest for peace and security. Napoleon Bonaparte, a great military genius, looking back over his years of conquest, is reported to have said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have built great empires. But upon what did they depend? They depended on force. But centuries ago, Jesus started an empire that was built on love, and even to this day, millions will die for him. Jesus is eternally right. History is replete with the bleached bones of nations that refuse to listen to him. May we, in the 20th century, follow his words before it is too late. May we solemnly realize that we shall never be true children of our Heavenly Father until we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And that was selected portions of Chapter 5 from the book Strength to Love by Martin Luther King, Jr. I encourage all of you to read the chapter in its entirety. It is a very challenging chapter, and it is one to take to heart, maybe in chunks at a time, till we can metabolize it and absorb it. I thank you for listening and supporting my work and also supporting the work of Robert J. Munson. Please be sure to check out his podcast, Black Coffee and Theology, and Three Black Men, of which he's a co-host, and of course his Substack. All of these links will be listed at sparkmymuse.com for this episode. May we understand who our enemies are and find ways to truly forgive them and love them. I wish you blessing and peace.